to the Throwdown Thursday Podcast. This is episode number 31. I am your host, Agent Nicole. I am Ironborn. I am a kick-ass person. And with me, as always, I have a very angry nerd, Patsy the Angry Nerd. Yep, that's me. That's a bingo. (laughs) That's a bingo. (laughs) Is that how you say it? No. We just say bingo. Bingo! And... As always, we have our lovely Mistress of Merlot, Ashes One Nightmare. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you doing? Surviving in my nose. Is is she's, she's so cute, itching her nose. I, was right say, I now. hope you're not waiting for an answer from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> and always, we have our wonderful producer, Johnny Wolfenstein. That's me. Here I am, once again, locked and chained to the desk. Uh, did you guys bring me food? I'm starving. Uh, I have cough drops. Okay. That is, that, that, that's, I, I have, wait, what flavor do you have? Because I have cough drops, too. Hold on. I have cough drops, too, second. actually. I have, you formed you a, I, have, I, have, I have formed you a, a delicious conglomeration of I all the crumbs Vicula. that Dynamo has left. Oh, God. Cherry I'd rather starve. <laughs> I got some pills. Oh, you got some pills? I got some vitamin C pills. Yeah, vitamin C. It's just a, it's just a smorgasbord in her the purse. The C stands for codeine. Let's see. Oh, I got an aging Carter picture in here. I have cherry dual action Ricola. Ricola. What are the two actions? I don't know. I have echinacea. Yeah, I got, you know, hey, I got some here. We can trade. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Will you take one of yours for two of mine? I'll trade you a hot sauce and a fortune cookie for <laughs> two Ricolas. <laughs> that sounds like a good trade. I have some menthols. Uh, cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> See, if I had said that like two years ago, yes, that would be referring to no, cigarettes. Because that's what I used. Two years ago? No, I, I quit smoking. It's been like um, a. Not that you knew. Smoking hot. Has it? Has it been two? It's years? been more than that. Has it been? Wow, it's been a while. Yeah. You need to teach Michael Ravenshadow the ways. <laughs> Willpower. <laughs> oh, never mind. He doesn't have any of that. Has it really been two years? It's been more than that. Wow. Yeah, it's been closer to four. Well, I mean, I've point. had a cigar every now and then. Yeah, but Those that's a nice. cigar. Like, yeah, I've well, had... and I can't even, I can't even, I'm such a lightweight at this point. I can't even smoke an entire cigar by myself. I have to share it with Patsy. Like, yep, I just, I used it. to be able to, like, down one by myself with a gla- couple of glasses of wine, and now I can't even do that. It's like I, I, a, a couple, a couple of puffs, and I'm like, this. It's is been good. close to two years since we've even had a cigar. This is true. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. Don't smoke, kids. It's not good. Yeah, you'll end up with uh, emphysema, the black yeah. lung, achy, breaky pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. So, what are we talking about today? Well. So, if you're listening to the show, which is on Thursday... Hopefully, you stayed on even after Nicole said goodbye the very first thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, goodbye, I, everybody! I oh, wait! Down. Hello! Arrivederci! It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what show did I turn in, tune into? It's Jeez. been a rough week for me. <laughs> you know, it's it has been... It's been a rough week, but... Nicole it, got into work at 6 a.m. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I haven't had a nap. Oh. And I've had... One coffee. And um, we're actually recording this on a slightly different day than our normal recording schedule. This is actually Friday the 20th. Uh, Black Friday. Inauguration day. So we're a little, uh, a little, a little. Hey, we're all wearing some black. Well, I I always wear black. Oh, I know. 
I'm wearing Doctor Strange. Yeah. She does. She has Benedict Cumberbunch on her uh, shirt. <laughs> you, you, I think you wish you were wearing it in a different way. Uh, I, was like, I was like, hey, Benedict Cumberbunch on her shirt. Mm. <laughs> His face uh, is on her boobs. Yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> So, yeah, so what are we talking about, Nicole? <laughs> I know, that's just derailed. Um, so, you're listening to the show on Thursday. Um, on Mon- <laughs> um, Monday, I was on Unchained, and we talked about the film Inglorious Bastards. And I would like to talk about Hans Landa, who is played by Christoph Watts. Oh, Watts. Christoph Waltz. And then the Inglorious Bastards she's referring to are the characters in the movie, not the uh, gentleman in the room with her. <laughs> that's, 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 those are the chain gang bangers. <laughs> Bastards of a different type. Just kidding, guys. We Shout love out you. to Unchained. Yeah. <laughs> we love you guys. So, yeah, I wanted to continue the Tarantino drive that I've been having all week. So, um, I do have a question for everybody. Um, it's kind of a two-parter. So, question number one is... Is it question one or part one? You need to, like, make up your mind here. Shut up the fuck up. <laughs> That's not a question. Shut up the fuck up. Let me talk. Um, when were you introduced to Quentin Tarantino? And what is your favorite Quentin Tarantino film? Who are you talking to? Anybody. Uh, like anybody in the audience? Or are you talking Every- like one of us in the room? Okay, smartass. Ashes. Um, okay. Okay, so what my favorite Tarantino film mm-hmm. is? Um, that's a really tough question. I think it's kind of a toss-up uh, between Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of people's favorite Tarantino movie. And it's my favorite Tarantino movie for one reason only motherfucking mia wallace i'm pretty sure we're the same person um minus the cocaine i was gonna say i don't ever recall stabbing you in the heart with an adrenaline needle at at lance's house uh that was before i met you i used to have a lot of fun and then i met you yeah you're welcome (laughs) um and death proof I think Death Proof is a fantastic movie. I have not seen that one. Uh, Zoe Bell is phenomenal in it. Um, and obviously, uh, Kurt Russell is Rosario in it. Dawson. Yeah, is in it as well. And it's just, it's wonderfully cast. Dynamo's buddy, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, yeah, she's a, cheer- she's a cheerleader? Yep. Yeah, she yeah. is. Um, I just think it's, it's just so, uh, I mean... I think that goes for all of his films. And I know we were having this conversation in the car. Um, He just does such a wonderful job casting his films. Mm -hmm. And obviously we'll talk a little bit more about that when we go into the Hans Landa character. Um, But yeah, I'm going to have to say Pulp Fiction and Death Proof. I, I can't, I can't decide between the two. Good choices, Patrick. Uh, my first introduction to uh, the Q, as I like to call him, nobody else calls him that, uh, just me apparently, um, was also Pulp Fiction, because that's, uh, no, actually it wasn't Pulp Fiction, now that I'm thinking of it, it was uh, Reservoir Dogs, I watched uh, with my friend uh, Justin when we were about 13, 14, somewhere in that vicinity, mm-hmm. Uh because where he lived, right across the street, there was uh, one of those lovely convenience slash video stores mm-hmm. that were open like all kinds of hours. So we went over there and we would rent rated R movies, and we got Reservoir Dogs, and it was awesome. Um, I mean, we would quote the shit out of it, 
Um, and I really, really liked that. And then, uh, even though it wasn't technically his movie, but he was in it, uh, Desperado was the next one. And, uh, again, I watched that with my, my friend Justin, mm-hmm. um, mainly because we were having an argument on whether or not you could see, uh, naked Selma Hayek. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you kind of do, but you don't really see anything. So, but, you know, we were 13, 14, so it was, it was fine. We didn't, we didn't care. Um, you know, and then obviously Pulp Fiction, which was actually the first film I introduced my youngest brother to. Um, we watched it over at, uh, my friend Mike's house. I think my brother was 12 Mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, the only part we didn't let him watch was the gimp. You know, he didn't need to see, uh, Marcellus (laughs) Wallace getting sodomized. Um, so we didn't, we didn't have him watch that part until years later. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, my introduction to Tarantino, my favorite Tarantino film. I don't know. That's uh, Jackie Brown's really, really good. Um, Inglorious, uh, Pulp Fiction. I mean, I can't. He hasn't done a bad film. Yeah. You know, I saw the Grindhouse films in the theater. I saw Kill Bill one and two in the theater. I was very excited for that. Um, I tried to see his. We saw Django and we saw Inglorious in the theaters. Um. Yeah, we didn't see we didn't see Hateful Eight in the theater, unfortunately. But we got it the day it came out. Yeah, on we, on like the Blu-ray DVD yeah. combo pack, and mm-hmm. and we watched it and we've seen it a enjoyed few times. It. Yeah, um, yeah, that one was written really well. What I like about you know Tarantino, just as far as his his writing skills, is that he can take you know these random characters like. When I heard that Mike Myers was going to be in Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck could he possibly bring to this? And then you see yeah, how baby. good he is. <laughs> you see how good he is, and yeah. it's like, you can't even tell that it's him. Like, yeah. it's fantastic. And a lot of times, what I like about him is that he takes characters and kind of flips them around from their real life. Like, Michael Fassbender is, in real life, a German guy who speaks German as his first language, and you know, picked up English, but can do a flawless well, English from, accent. Yeah, he's German-born, but then he lived in Ireland most of his life. And in the movie, he's, he's an English guy. He's an English guy pretending to, to be, be German. German yeah. So, like, it's like that type of... I mean, he single-handedly saved uh, or resurrected uh, uh, John Travolta's career. Like, he wrote Pulp Fiction. He wrote the part of Vincent Vega for John Travolta. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, if it wasn't for Pulp Fiction, we wouldn't have Broken Arrow, you know, where he stares down a growling nuclear missile that kills him, mm-hmm. you know? So, thank, thanks, Quentin. Um, but yeah, that that's my uh, brief history of Quentin Tarantino. Nice. What about you there, uh, Scruffy? Scruffy, me. Yeah. Um. So the first time I've ever seen a Quentin Tarantino film w- would be Inglorious Bastards, which is also my favorite film out of the ones I've seen. Um, I saw it a couple of years ago at a friend's house, and her dad was quoting the shit out of it. But I was just so in, like, so focused on the film, it just like the aesthetics of it, how beautiful it is, the character development, because there's some amazing characters and. 
a lot of not well known at the time to now well known character uh, well known actors who really took those characters and just brought them to life like i i just love the film a lot and i am a huge history buff and i really like the world war ii era like not just like the fashion but like the history behind it so inglorious bastards would be mine and obviously we'll be talking about hans landa shortly so so when you say this is your favorite what other ones have i've seen Django. i've seen hateful eight i've seen i'm trying to think i've seen pulp fiction bits and pieces of it so i I'm, i haven't seen all of it but out of the You've ones seen his new, three newest films yes so I think I think I've seen all of his stuff except for I haven't seen Jackie Brown and I haven't seen True Romance. We own both of them, I believe. I know we need to we need to get on that. I did um, really like what he did for uh, Four Rooms. Yeah, he did the um, Four Rooms. A lot of people haven't heard of this film. Uh, Four Rooms is the story of Ted the Bellhop, played by uh, Tim Roth, and he has crazy adventures as he's like the only one working this once famous hotel that used to have you know you know presidents and celebrities like you know people like Marilyn Monroe and and you know folks like that um and he's the only one left and he goes through four different rooms and each room is directed by a, a different director and uh the third room has is directed by Robert Rodriguez who is a frequent collaborator of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he also um, did the Grindhouse. Yeah, the two of them did Grindhouse. Yeah. yeah, and he did uh, uh, the, the from Dust Till Dawn. The well, what's the other one I mentioned earlier with Desperado. Antonio Desperado? Yeah, yeah, he did Desperado. Those guys work together a lot. So, um, the uh, the final room is the penthouse room, and that that room is directed by Tarantino, starring Tarantino. And it's, it amazes me sometimes when people have never heard of this because it's got Quentin Tarantino and Jennifer Beals and Bruce Willis and Madonna and Antonio Banderas and Tim Roth and like nobody has ever heard isn't, of this film. Isn't that the one with Kathy Griffin in it too? Kathy Griffin's yeah. in it and Marissa Tomei. Like yeah. all these people are in it and it's no one's ever heard of it. But it's, it's brilliantly done and uh, I especially like that last room because um, – they're uh, part of the the narrative that's going on in the room is based on a Roald Dahl story, and I'm a huge Roald Dahl fan. You know, the BFG, James and the Giant Peach, mm-hmm. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, all yeah. that. But it's a very, very dark, dark story that they mm-hmm. that they're trying to reenact. So, uh, if you haven't seen it, go. That's definitely one I recommend. So check that one out. But yeah, he was uh, he was in that. Oh, I'm, I'm being waved on because. Nicole is uh, drinking her. You should might want to make you know put that little sturdier because it looks like it's kind of tilting over there. And if you wreck Wolfie's stuff, that's coming out of your pay. And since we don't pay you, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to resolve that. What about you, Wolfenstein? Are you a Tarantino fan? Do you have any favorites? Uh, I am. I I'm not as rabid as other people like Dynamo Mars. He is an unabashed fan and we'll see everything day one which you know I, I certainly love his stuff and the only one I haven't seen amazingly enough is Jackie Brown 
especially because it came out when I was working at a video store. And I always wanted to see it, and I just, just never got around to it. Uh, other than that, I've seen all of the films he's directed. And I had my list of shame was Kill Bill. I hadn't seen until about two, two and a half years ago. And everyone was like, their minds were blown when I hadn't seen, when I hadn't seen them. And they're, uh, my girlfriend Tanya's like some of her favorite films. So we watched them together and she was like dorking out while we watched it. <laughs> so, but as for a favorite, that's, that's tough. I like all of his films. I think he, he's pretty amazing because he has this, this, this like level. He never dips below a, a really good movie. They're all either really good to excellent, you know. Mm-hmm. So, the first one I saw was was Reservoir Dogs back in I want to say it was ninety six or seven when I was working at the video store, and I don't recall when Pulp Fiction came out, but I think it was ninety four, ninety three, I think. Oh, okay, it? I was going to say I think it was a couple years before. I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. I can't. I can't recall now. But anyways, uh, that one was. I think it showed me films could be could be more than than what they what what I had been watching, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it it could tell a narrative with with a lot of dialogue and not be boring and still have tons of action. So that's one that that's uh, you know rates very highly for me. I also thought Django Unchained is fucking unbelievable. Uh-huh. That might be that might be up there for me. But there's some scenes in Inglorious Bastards that are just incredible. And so it may be hard for me to pick one. I would say that all three of those are, are really good. I also really like The Hateful Eight. I didn't think it was as good as some of his previous work, but but I really enjoyed it. And it, his the thing I love about him is he makes films that are that are cinematic experiences. Mm-hmm. There aren't too many more and, and there aren't as many directors now that do that there's you know there's like Christopher Nolan because he f- they film with film and they they want the presentation of showing it in a theater with a crowd and when i saw for instance when i saw hateful 8 i went to like a pretty packed screening and there was a woman next to me i'm going to guess she was in her mid 50s and there was a scene there's one of the really gratuitous scenes in hateful 8 and she just was like basically like almost had her hands in front of her face and then there is the one scene where you know someone's head gets you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and she goes oh my gosh <laughs> like screamed it out in the theater and was like aghast and like oh my god it was so, i was like so fucking like i couldn't hold my laughter in and that's i think that's what's good about his films is you get these cinematic experiences that like you could, I couldn't have got that watching it at home because I'm not going to watch it at home with anyone that that you know that that hadn't seen something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it is kind of an interesting theater theatrical experience, and I love that he did Hateful Eight on 70 millimeter, and I love that he's so all about making these cinematic experiences, and especially for me as someone who used to be a film projectionist, I'm definitely a film purist. I love seeing film. I don't want to see digital. I love seeing film, and so and Quentin is. You know he's he's one of the one of the directors that's still carrying that that banner of 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 film and so you know I certainly applaud that so I know that's kind of a long winded answer but he's he's one of our best directors working today and 
if you believe the rumors, he's only going to do a couple more pictures, if maybe just one or two more. And then he said he's going to retire, which that would be a shame if we lost him as a director. But, you know, if he has that body of work, there aren't too many other directors who can say that they have that impressive of a filmography, you know, Mm -hmm. because every single one of them is fucking good. And he just gets people Oscars like he makes. I mean, like we're going to talk about with uh, Christoph Waltz, like. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oscar for this, Oscar for Django, yep. uh, Ennio yep. Morricone. Yep. You know, guy's been around for how long scoring movies? Yep. And this was his first Oscar for uh, Hateful Eight. Hate yep. Like, that's... I will say, like, the way he writes tension in scenes is beyond reproach. Um, because I was going to say, you know, if you couldn't come up with a a, a great, like, your favorite movie maybe your favorite scene and the scene that pops into my head and Wolfie's, uh, you know, tell me what you think. Cause I know you've seen this, uh, the scene in true romance with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken going back and forth like that scene. Oh my God. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the movie, do it. And, uh, I think one of the first things you'll be saying Oh no! Well, <laughs> that's it. I'm screwing yes. some. I have technical I have a difficulty. I have a. That's a bingo. <laughs> I love him so much. I think. Um, I think one of the reasons why uh, before we before we had to break, I just want to get this out there. I think one of the reasons why Tarantino is so great at what he does is because he appreciates the art aspect mm-hmm. of the entire filmmaking process. Uh, he's a writer, he's a producer, he's a director, and he just has an eye for you know what he wants to convey and what he wants to portray mm-hmm. and i think that you know that love like you can tell he loves what he does and that love and that appreciation for the art form of cinema uh definitely just shows through his works and i think that's why his you know even a even a bad movie like i i agree with wolfie i don't think hateful eight was his best work but i still enjoyed it like to the point where you know i'm glad we own it we've watched a couple of times i'll probably watch it again i really (laughs) like um oh god jennifer jennifer jason lee is that yeah Yeah. um i i love her character daisy daisy Mm domergue i think i'm just totally hacking that name up um but i think she's just fantastic and you know uh like i said he's just she got nominated for an oscar as well um he just appreciates the whole art form and i think because he has his hand in so many things you know writing producing directing uh acting you know um he knows what he wants and he knows what, you know, what to look for. And, you know, I mean, I just, I kind of, uh, he has a lot of fans, mm-hmm. you know, so I kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm basic almost when I'm like, I love Tarantino films, but I mean, I do. I, I love Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to get into our discussion. I know. Break. And this won't be the f- last time we talk about a uh, Quentin Tarantino character. I know we talked about in, in the future, we will have probably either like a series of characters from Quentin Tarantino's universe of 
yeah characters. we will we will absolutely be discussing me disgusting excuse me disgusting, <laughs> so disgusting. disgusting. mia wallace because i want to dance i want to win not gonna and lie i, I might cosplay her really yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, you know who did a really phenomenal job cosplaying her jenny is me yes yeah, saw the pictures. Yeah, the adrenaline needle and everything. It yeah, was Jenny. Jenny knows phenomenal. Yes. So. All right. On that note, we're gonna take a break, collect our thoughts, and we're gonna talk about Hans Landa. Bingo. Who's got B12? Anyone B12? B12? You sank my battleship. No. Oh, I thought you were talking about that's the, vit- a, the vitamin. That's a bingo. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible German accent. I'm sorry. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, that's a bingo. See, I, I this is why I don't do voices. I'm absolutely horrible at that. <laughs> I thought you were asking for vitamins. I, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so, <laughs> so while so while Agent Nicole, oh, that is a bingo. So while Agent Nicole composes okay, herself, good. can I just say that I could listen to Brad Pitt say Nazis in this movie like all day, like how he says it. I just love it. I think it's fantastic. Nazis. Yeah, I just, I get, yeah. You, you're skinning Nazis or something. See, okay, I'm that just, was I'm worse just, than your German. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bingo. <laughs> you and Dynamo Bar, Dynamo Marsh should, Dynamo do, Barnes. should do a a show of bad impressions. We should. We absolutely <laughs> should. His, his Hulk Hogan is is like this. Right. Dynamo Mars is Hulk Hogan. Oh, what does he say? Oh shit! I, he he does like a, uh, one specific saying, but it's like it's like oh, I I, I beat you up, brother. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> and his uh his uh, awesome powers. 
I make horny, Bubby. <laughs> Wait, is that Dynamo or Sing Sang Soon? No, Dynamo. <laughs> Ask him some time to do this. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, wait, the Hulk Hogan was, you shut your mouth, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I thought I was in the room with Hulk Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was wondering what I was going to do when the 24-inch pythons ran wild on me. What you got to do, brother? See, that that was good. (laughs) Yeah, that was really good. All right, from bad impressions to good impressions, let's talk about... Hans Landa from the 2009 Inglorious Bastards. You guys ready? For what? This discussion. What discussion? I hate you. That's a bingo. (laughs) That was the uh, most Jamaican sounding German I've ever heard. Hey man, that's a bingo. (laughs) That's our title. (laughs) That's going to be the title of the show. What, Jamaican sounded German? You're making me crazy. <laughs> Shit. All right. All right. Oh, that was the worst German accent I've ever heard. I did not see that coming. Nine, 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 Nazi. <laughs> All right. So, Quentin Tarantino wrote a wonderful, wonderful film, Inglorious Bastards. Um, it was written in 1998. He had issues with it, mainly because he couldn't. Did write. he? I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but did he really write it in '98? He started. Yeah, oh yeah, he started it, took it him in ten years to write yeah. the script. Wow, I did not know that because he spends the, the, the a lot movie of time was <laughs> yeah, because you know it was released in what 2009. 2009. It was filmed in 2008, and within I think six months before it was filmed, uh, premiered in Cannes Film Festival, June 2009. It's French. You don't pronounce the S. Go fuck yourself. Well, you don't. Some people call it Cannes. Some people call it Cannes. Some people just call it a movie thing. Cannot. Can you just shut your face? (laughs) Can you just shush shush your mouth? Was that another geography pun? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Knock, knock. No. (laughs) Knock, knock. Can you just say... I'm in another room. I can't hear you knocking. <laughs> uh, you have to ring the bell. Okay. I'm going to slap you with these gloves in two seconds. I wouldn't touch those. <laughs> I know. Nicole found some random, random... surgical gloves. Yeah, crammed in the seat where Dynamo Mars sits. So. Actually, okay, so I know for a fact, I believe those are nitrile gloves. Well, uh, so uh, yes. if you have a latex allergy... <laughs> Agent Nicole just grabbed, grabbed a Clorox disinfectant wipe, and she is currently wiping she is off her daintily fingers. wiping off her fingernails. Agent Nicole, you sit in his chair. You may want to do a full body one on that. <laughs> Bobby Chains also sits in this chair, and a lot of shit goes on. So, wait, Bobby didn't give you that chair when? Uh... No, I was sitting in the corner. You're going to be a- I- offensive by uh, osmosis. Wow, that's fucked up. Bobby, that's messed up. I know. I was supposed to be treated like royalty. We gave her this chair. Like, we didn't even let Dynamo have this chair, and he's got, like, you know, scoliosis or some shit. I don't know. He's fucking old. Yes. So, back to... (laughs) Back it. Let's reel it back in. Wait, Uh, who's there? (laughs) (laughs) This better be good. I was in the tub. (laughs) Canoe. I, I don't... I don't... Can you who? Can you come out to play? <laughs> oh, that was because we were talking about can can. No, can, I thought you made a geography pun. Like, can you stop that? 
Jamaican me crazy. Stop. Norway. Nye. Nye, 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 nye. It's nine. N-E-I-N. It's not nye. Nye is Egyptian for no. Ancient Egyptian. I think the end is nye. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, today so, was selection of inauguration day. All right. So, Ash, is, yes, it took him a very long time. <sighs> I mean, it, it paid off. Yes. Like, the payoff was beautiful because this is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. film. I agree. Well, the two reasons is he had a hard time figuring out a proper ending for the film. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is what we're going to talk about now is Hans Landa. Um, in the film, he's known as the Jew Hunter. Mm-hmm. He is um, enlisted by the, the hierarchs of the Nazi... Party. Party, thank you. Um, to search and find any Jewish people in France. Because of his unique insight yes, into he's uh, a detective. people's minds. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why Quentin Tarantino took so long is he had certain he had an idea of Leonardo DiCaprio playing Hans Landa. And he realized, well, maybe it's best that we do an older character. And then he realized maybe it's a really hard character to, to like find someone to portray because, you know, it, he really thought like if he couldn't find the antagonist for the film, then it's not going to be a good film. And that's where um, German actor Christoph Watts, uh, Waltz, God, I can't say his name, comes into picture. Oh, and, I can say his name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He comes into the picture, and we have the wonderful, charismatic Hans Landa in the Inglorious Bastard films. And in the first chapter in Once Upon a Time in Occupied France, we are introduced to the antagonist right off the bat. Um, he comes into the home, and you right away, you just know he's up to no good. You're wondering, okay, he's going to do something. And he plays with the minds of the Jewish people who are hiding underneath the basement, who are trying to, uh, underneath the floor, trying to, you know, be in hiding. And he switches the language from French to English because he believes they're not going to know what English is. They're not going to understand what's going on. And he's correct. And Yeah, he's correct because he can think like a Jew. He knows what, you know, knows what they're up to. You may want to clarify that statement. So someone just like, he can think like a Jew. I'm really nervous about this, okay? Just Basically, take deep, just take a deep breath. You're doing a really good job. Oh, when, when Han, uh, to, to expound upon her point there a little bit, because I know she's not trying to come off as offensive. And no, we're not I'm not. I really offend tr- anyone. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know what uh, she's referring to. But he tells a story in classic Tarantino dialogue. You know, he asked the man who owns the home, uh, Monsieur Le Perdite, uh, you know, the the Jewish, uh, the, the, the Germans re- uh, view themselves as hawks, so they think like hawks. Yeah. So if they're, when they're looking for, you know, people who are hiding from them, they look in places where they would hide, mm-hmm. not where, you know, uh, say, because uh, he, he compares uh, the Jewish people to rats. And, you know, he says, you know, tries to think of, you know, think of them 
how a where a rat would hide. You know, a hawk does it. A rat would hide where a hawk wouldn't think to go. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where he comes in. That's his unique insight into the human mind, not specifically the Jewish mind. Thank you. I'm sorry. Racist. <laughs> Um, but no, it's like, that's why we don't want it to come across like that. Nicole is indicating that I am number one. Um, she doesn't, we, we don't want to come across like that. So if you, if you don't have context to, I'm sorry, everybody, that specific thing, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, if you listen to it, I mean, some of the dialogue is, you know, if you've ever seen a Tarantino film, there's a lot of racial, racially driven dialogue in uh, his films because he writes characters so well. He doesn't write them like, oh, I hope I don't offend anybody. He writes them like, this is how a slave owner would talk, you know, during the Civil War. This is how, you know, a uh, a, a Nazi... uh, Officer. Yeah, a Nazi lieutenant or colonel would speak. Yeah, a highly decorated Nazi 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 officer would you know would would think and speak and how he would address people. He's not thinking of you know the way people should you know address each other in a respectful manner. It's you know he's getting himself into that time period into the head of this character. So yeah, he's not looking to be politically correct. He's looking to be real. He's looking for realism. So you know when you're watching these films, you find yourself you know transported to the time that mm-hmm. these movies are set. So which I think is very important, you know, and why his movies are so successful. Which is funny Amazing. because you know he's trying to be historically accurate in the way people speak. But the events that transpire in the film aren't exactly historical. I wish that that movie was, I mean, like, I wish that's how things went down, like, in real life. Do you Mm. know how epic that would be? Like, if that's exactly how it happened? In order to win the war, you gotta get all four. Yeah. (laughs) So, go ahead, Nicole. I know I... uh, No, it's all right. Um, I know Ash has got some notes. You want to take over? Um, well... I love in that initial scene where he is talking to the homeowner and you you know that the Jews that this person is housing, hiding, um, they're hiding underneath the floorboards. He switches and, and not only like is he like a highly decorated military officer, but he is also fluent in multiple languages. I think it's like a German, English, French um, in the screenplay, Italian yeah, yes. In the screenplay, he's also um, Tagalog, which is a, the Filipino um, language in the Philippines. Um, there was a few more from what I've read from the screenplay. Yeah, he he's, speaks he's Hebrew just, as well. Yeah, but he's just fluent in everything and anything he could. Uh, but when he when he approaches, you know, he's very charismatic. Like, oh, you have a dairy farm, you know. Let me have a glass of your milk, you know. And um, is is you know speaking in French initially to the French homeowner, and then he's like, ah, oh, I hear that you speak, you know, English. You know, let's let's talk in English because, you know, he assumes that the people, you know, he knows that this person is is housing. You know, Jews in his house, you know, hiding them. Um, and how he goes from being, and, and, and it's just like a split second, too. He goes from being someone who's just, you know, kind of, you know, charismatic and just like, oh, tell me, you know, about yourself to like, I know there are people here. Yeah. And I will find them. 
Yeah. So pretty much like you tell me, you know, tell me the truth because if not, I know. You're, you're, I'm going to make your life a living hell. He, right. He reminds me very much of the character of Hannibal Lecter, where he is, you know, incredibly pleasant and polite, but you can see that, you know, he's he's driving you towards a specific goal. You know, he knows the information. He's asking questions that are leading you to a path that he already knows what's at the end of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's that, you know, when we were, we were watching it the other night, it's that moment where he's like, anything you can tell me that would make my job easier, mm-hmm. you know, would not, will not be met with punishment, but, you know, rather it would be rewarded. And, like, he goes from this jovial, you know, like, you know, asking, do you mind if I smoke my, do you mind if I smoke my pipe? You know, this is your home. You know, do you mind if I do this? Is this okay? You know, you know, going through all like the, the, the manners and etiquette he doesn't have to do because he's, uh, there with heavily armed men and he himself is a high ranking official in the, in the German army, you know, but he's, he's doing this because it puts people off and he gets the, uh, you know, the psychological edge on them. And then his face just changes and he reveals his true nature to you. He's got this, you know, very pleasant, uh, you know, uh, demeanor and this pleasant look on his face. And all of a sudden his eyes just have this like cold, steely, icy glare to them. And the guy knows like he's just he's like, well, all these questions he's been asking me were just a formality. He knows what's really going on and I can either tell him or I can suffer the consequences. Yeah. And you actually do see that where he's very polite to then he knows what you are, especially in the third chapter, uh, German night in Paris where, um, the girl Shoshana who survives the attack on her family in chapter one, she's, um, in this restaurant filled with German officers and, she Hans Landa comes into the room and she freezes up like this is the guy who had killed my family he wants to talk to her out of all the people he's he wants to talk to the um cinema manager he doesn't know that she is because he never sees her no but I think he does because why would he order an espresso and a milk for her I just think that that's just... I mean, I, I don't... I think he knew. I think he's supposed to, like, lead you in that direction, but I don't think he actually knew that that was her because if you... If, you know, when you look at his final plan, it's never mentioned. Like, you know, he's like, I know that your guys have dynamite, but he knows nothing about this other plot. He knows nothing about anything else that's going on. He has no clue. Well, he knows that the whole building's going to explode anyway, so why would he reveal all of his guards right then and there? Because he would because he was bargaining for favor from the United States. You know, he could have just as easily added her into his master plan. You know, as like a backup, you know, like make sure it's like, yeah, we're doing this with explosives, but we've also got this going on as well. Like she was a double agent like I don't think he knew who she was. I think that was just a coincidence. Mm, I think he did know her, but anyways, Ashes, you got more <laughs> notes. What do you got over there? 
I would just say, just in speaking of his overall uh, character, um, he is cruel, highly intelligent, sadistic, opportunistic, relentless, and ruthless, but when needed, charming and polite. He is also sarcastic and seems to have a knowledge of kind of like English idioms, uh, flawed idioms, but, um, (laughs) you know, like when he says, you know, that's a bingo, you know. <laughs> um, just gonna... Certain things lose a little bit in translation. Yeah. Um, like the shoe on the other foot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, if the shoe fits, you must wear it. Yeah. Um, no, no. The other part when he's talking to Brad Pitt, like, you know, because he couldn't quite remember. But the yeah. story of Cinderella is yeah. a European story. So he would. Right. Right. But, you know, um, there's so many facets to this character. And. Uh, Tarantino has said that Hans Landa is well might be the greatest character he's ever written and he thought it to be like you had mentioned it took him you know which makes sense you know it took him 10 years to to write this Mm -hmm. Um, when in the process of casting for this role he thought that Hans Landa would be a character that's completely unplayable yeah definitely and, you know, obviously, Christoph Waltz comes along and, and completely just proves him wrong. I think um, Leo could have pulled it off, though. If Leo was a little older, Leo um, could have pulled it off. You know, I, I've got mixed root. I got mixed feelings about Leonardo. Well, when Calvin. you look at how we played Calvin Candy compared, because Calvin Candy is a very similar character, you know, the Southern gentleman, but he's like, you know, he will get his way one way or the other. Hmm. I don't know. I I just we'll I discuss heard, that on another show. Yeah. But I think I think Leo's good enough where he could have done that. Well, when so fun fact: when Waltz auditioned for the role, he had no prior correspondence with Tarantino or Bender, the producer, mm-hmm. and believed that the character of Hans Landa was being used during the audition process to cast other roles. Yeah, uh, Waltz stated that he was most impressed with the dialogue and the depth of the character. He describes Landa's character as one, uh, excuse me, as one who has an understanding of how the world works, stating that the swastika means nothing to him. Mm-hmm. He adds that he is not driven by ideology and that if anyone were to call Landa a Nazi, he would clarify that he was not, stating that just because he wears a Nazi uniform mm-hmm. does not mean that he believes in the Nazi ideology. See, now I'm trying to call I'm trying to call it like Nazis, Nazi. like Brad Pitt does. Me and my horrible accent. And I think that that right there, that is how Christoph Waltz played that character, yeah. and that is why he was able to do it, because that's how he approached the character. Yeah, because even with that, what you just said, the quote, is definitely, in, you can see it where Hans is like, you know, towards the end, like, they call him the Jew hunter. Well, he didn't want the name. He's just good at what he's doing. And, and, and you know, and he just happens to be wearing the Nazi yeah. uniform. Like, he could be wearing any uniform. He's just doing what he sets out to do. And, yeah. You know, he's he's really kind of a selfish character. He's in it for himself. Yeah, yeah exactly. In exactly. And, yeah. Um, you know, so, and I think it's brilliant that that is how Waltz approached that character. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think if you were to approach it any other way, it wouldn't have the same effect. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Londa doesn't, he, he doesn't, view himself as the bad guy 
Yeah, no, you he know? doesn't. I mean, he is, but, you know, he's so charismatic that, you know, I mean, it's he's like a bad guy, but he's kind of... Yeah. Exactly. He's so likable at the same time. Um, so, you know, if and I think that kind of goes across the board. Like, if you're playing the villain, if you're playing a bad guy, in order to successfully play a bad guy, you have to think that that your character, the bad guy character, is, is not a bad guy. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just, you know, I, I just obviously brilliantly done because he won, you know, Golden Globe and Oscar and, um, you know, uh, this was his first American film. And I think this is the probably the best one of obviously it's the most known film that he's or known character he's played other than, um, King Schultz from, uh, Django Unchained. But I like, to have him be introduced to the American public or to the international public in this role. It's just, he's like Christoph Waltz has have, has a tremendous career in Europe. And then to come into international eyes and just play this character, you just like, you can't help, but just fall in love with him. And I think that his fate at the ending of the movie is so appropriate. Yeah. You know, he doesn't die, but he he absolutely 100% gets what's coming to him. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to give too much away in case some, you know, people out there haven't haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and definitely check it out because it's 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 just, it's just so good. There are a lot of excellent performances. Uh, oh. Fassbender was amazing. Uh, uh, Diane Kruger. Mary Laurent as Shoshana. Yep. It was ph- phenomenal. Uh, she was very good. Uh, the dude who played uh, Helmet Zero in uh, Captain America Civil War, he was pretty good in it as uh, Frederick Zoller. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Myers... You know, of Wayne's World playing, you know, a, 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 a British Wayne's general. Mm-hmm. Like, party on, excellent. Party time. I don't excellent. care. Okay, whatever. Listen, if you're going to sing the song, you got to get it right. Okay. Party on, Wayne. Yeah, but it's party time, excellent. So, out of the um, many scenes with Hans Lana, what is your favorite scene from that he's in? Uh, probably the beginning, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, um, that scene where he, and, it, and it's his character, his character is creating this crazy tension in the room. Mm-hmm. And he's just, you know, like we were, we discussed previously, he's so calm, he's so cordial, charming, you know, um, just being very, you know, nice and polite um you know but he you just you you get to see all of the facets of his character in this one and it's probably what like 15 minutes long maybe if that 15 20 minutes yeah you know um this opening scene but you get to see all of the facets of his character in this mm-hmm. one scene and like that moment like Patrick was saying that moment where like you know he goes from being you know uh, kind of and it's all in his face too you know mm-hmm. like like light eyed and you know kind of soft to just hard and just the way he's able to just change 
his facial expressions mm-hmm. just like you know just in a split second i just think is so brilliant and it just does such a good job of setting up the rest of the movie yeah but i mean like that I, to me my personal opinion that scene right there is why he won an oscar mm-hmm. because you know he just and it's just him and one other character but like you can't take your eyes off of him and like i said he creates this intense tension Mm -hmm. like you have no idea what's going to happen and then obviously you know they what happens happens like i said i want to give too too much away but you know what happens happens and you know he's just there's just no remorse and as so shoshan is running away you know he's like he's back yeah he's back to being jovial again he's like you know and it's just if you wouldn't know any better you would think this person is bipolar yeah oh yeah <laughs> to be yeah. honest you know yeah. I, it just just you know multiple personalities all over the place and you know i understand why tarantino thought this role was potentially unplayable, unplayable. and i am so glad that you know he found i don't know who found who but i'm i'm, I'm glad that the tarantino Christoph Waltz, you know, magic happened. Because- I think Lawrence Bender like introduced them, and he he uh, he uh, auditioned in front of the two of them. I believe that's how it went, but I'm not. Uh, I may be mixing up my facts. If anybody knows, you know, definitely uh, leave us a message in uh, in the Facebook group and let us know. But yeah, so I'm sorry. I know that's like a no, total long, no. long-winded answer. This is why but, we do these shows. We're gonna um, you know, we we have to know why you love these characters or hate these characters. So, uh, or or love to hate them, yeah. um, or hate to love them. In this case, hate to love them. You know, uh, he's he's you're not supposed to like him, but you do. Um, yeah, I just I just think that opening scene is just brilliant. You know, um, so yeah, I just it's just so well done. I like that answer, Patrick. I think my favorite scene might be his uh, uh, his interaction um, with Bridget von Hammersmark, uh, Diane Kruger's character, mm-hmm. when he first meets them, and he meets uh, it's it's Brad Pitt and and mm-hmm. um, Eli Roth, and then. I forget. B.J. Novak. It's no, not no, no, B. J. It's Novak. no. Um, Omar. His name is Omar in the in the movie. No, but his name in real life is also Omar. I can't. I'm totally drawing a blank. But oh, it's Google the three it. of them, and uh, they. Uh, you know, he's he's essentially sizing them up, but not letting them know that he's sizing them up. Yeah. You know, and then he takes Bridget von Hammersmark into another room and discusses a few things with her like that scene is really really great can i put a side note so in that scene where um bridget sees you know what she gets mm-hmm. literally um the the close-up is quentin tarantino yeah yeah thank you sorry yeah i know i know you were trying to like not say what happened but the yeah. close-up is quentin tarantino yes um there is uh there is a part in this film that, you know, again, lending to accuracy of uh, the geography when he says 999.999 times out of a million. Um, in 
Europe, they don't use commas like we do. So he's saying 999,999 times out of a million. That's why he says, you know, dot or point. I forget. Mm -hmm. I think he says dot. Um, That's because they use periods instead of uh, commas, Mm -hmm. you know, to indicate, you know, thousands, you know, breaking up those numbers. So. To backtrack what you had said, it's uh, the other actor, um, Omar Doom. That's his real name. Yeah, yeah. B.J. Novak's towards the end. Yeah. Because, yeah, because him and uh, uh, Eli Roth, Omar and Eli go off to do their own thing. Yeah. He's not involved. To handle some business. With B.J. Novak and Brad Pitt. Yeah. I like that. What about you? What was your favorite part? Oh, man. Um, they're all, like, Hans Hans Landa is my favorite character in this film. Um, I think, I think towards the end where he's with Brad Pitt's character and B.J. Novak, the whole bingo scenario, I think where he basically, he captures them and he's like, all right, we're going to arrange a deal. And he's like, hmm, who do you work for? Obviously, you work for the Secret Service. And that's where you get the, that's a bingo. Is that how you say it? No, you just say bingo. Um, but the way he's, he's telling, like, this is what we're going to do. In order to win the war, you got to get all four a big, big wigs. And these are my circumstances. And I'm going to do this. And I want this. And I want that. Just that entire scene towards the end i it the whole freaking movie i love him (laughs) that's it i and i um also the where he's sizing him up is a great scene but his interaction with shoshana in the middle in the third chapter that scene where you can feel the tension in that room where she knows she's talking to the killer of her family and he's trying to investigate of who she really is and I got really hungry, too, for wanting an apple strudel because they eat an apple strudel. And he's like, wait for the cream. And um, it's it's a I like you said, it, it's a character that you supposed to hate, but you can't help but love him. It's it's hard not to love him. Right. And I think that just totally gives props to, again, the way <clears throat> Waltz portrayed him. Yeah. You know, I just I I think he he brought the character to life. And, you know, again, uh, going back to to, you know, reiterating, giving Tarantino props, you know, he just makes excellent casting decisions Mm -hmm. and he just has this vision. And I think Inglorious Bastards overall was just this beautiful vision that came to life. And he just, you know, he just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I totally agree. And. Like Ted Williams. <laughs> Petty fucking ball game. Fenway Park. Right onto Lansdowne Street. If you've seen the movie, you know what we're referring to. Um, but yeah, it's it's just... It's such a good film, and he's so good in it. Um, it's one of those roles where like you really couldn't imagine anybody else doing it. Like I said, I, I, I think Leo could have pulled it off, but Leo's... He still looks too young. I um, think... He- with with Quentin Tarantino, he tries to keep things kind of true to nature. So, like a lot of like the German speaking folks are 
obviously from Germany. A lot of like who the actor who played Hugo Stiglitz. Stiglitz is a huge actor in Germany, and like I've heard in a interview with Quentin Tarantino, like people were applauding because you know they have like their and they went to go see it in a German theater or German premiere, and people were like excited to see like their big stars. Well, he had uh, an issue um, because he's a German actor. He refused to ever put on a Nazi uniform yeah, in a but film, but because he was able a guy to kill who, Nazis. Yeah, he was a guy. His character was he had he was in prison for killing thirteen uh, thir- Gestapo. Thirteen, yeah, Gestapo, Gestapo officials. Out. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's when the the bastards, you know, decided to uh, enlist him, recruit him. Yep. Yeah. Well, on that note. We're going to take a break. We have a voicemail, right? Yes, we do. And we have the results of the Belcher versus Simpson battle from last week. So let's go to break, please. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkeys. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Welcome back. I was about to doze off because I've been up since six fucking o'clock in the morning. All right. Well, don't fall asleep now. We still have to uh, make posters. I know. Woo! All right, so Wolfie, are we all set to get that voicemail going? All right, we have a wonderful voicemail from our one of our good uh, one of our listeners, yeah, Nick. good friend of the show, friend. Nick. Yes, we don't we don't have listeners; we have friends. Friends, one of our good friends, Nick. So let's hear from Nick. Hey, Throwdown Thursday podcast. This is Nick. Um, I should have sent this voicemail. Um, a long time ago, but, um, I just thought of it and, you know, um, I wanted to say thank you to Ashes and Patrick for their super thoughtful gifts to me this holiday season, and it was the Friday the 13th on VHS. Um, I, I, I can't start to explain to you how... Um, great that felt to get that like 
Um, a lot of people know through the podcast groups and stuff, I'm, I'm a big fan of VHS, and I love collecting it. I go to Goodwill, and I see what I can get. It's, it's kind of like my fun, you know? It's, it's my hobby. Uh, I go on my days off, and I see what I can find. And I post pictures and stuff like that, and I watch them, and I enjoy them. And that was a series... The Friday the 13th is a series that I... It's near and dear to my heart, and I love it. And um, it was just so thoughtful to, to come home and see that, and just seeing a prize collection in my mind that I wanted my collection just at your doorstep. So, um, I just wanted to say thank you to Patrick and Asha so much. Like, that was so thoughtful. And, um, thank you. Just thank you. Bye. Well, <coughs> Ooh, Nick, excuse me. Uh, you know, you're, you're more than welcome, but I, I know Asha has a few thoughts on this, but, you know, I definitely appreciate you leaving us a voicemail, um, but you did, you you know, I don't want you to feel bad about, you know, not sending us a voicemail because you did thank each of us uh, individually um, the day that you received it. So, you know, don't don't feel bad about not sending a voicemail, but I do appreciate you, uh, you know, we're, gl- we're glad that you, you enjoyed it and, you know, we appreciate you uh, expressing uh, your appreciation. Um, so yeah, first of all, there's no need for thank you because more than happy to do it. I wanted to do it, um, because you didn't have to do what you did. Um, I came home from working like a 14 hour day. I was just ragged, um, horrible day, exhausted to find a piece of nostalgia, uh, that I adore on my doorstep, uh, from you. Um, I mentioned it before. Nicholas was nice enough to find at Goodwill the vinyl soundtrack of Mary Poppins, like the original um, with the kind of cartoony looking Julie Andrews and um, Dick Van Dyke on the cover. And, you know, he saw it uh, at Goodwill. He thought of me. He picked it up. And it just it just made my night. It made my day. I'm still talking about it. It has a nice place in my collection. I'm seriously considering giving get, getting a frame for the album uh, itself because I just I, I don't want anything to happen to it because I treasure it so much. So thank you from the bottom of my heart so much. You were so incredibly sweet and you didn't have to do that. So I just wanted to return the favor and I found the original VHS, uh, the 1980 release of Friday the 13th. I love the franchise too. I think Jason Voorhees is probably my all-time favorite slasher villain. Um, it is definitely one of my all-time favorite franchises. Uh, if you lived closer, we would absolutely have like a, just a Friday the 13th movie fest because I think that would be awesome. Um, so anytime that I can just, you know, share it i i think it's just uh, we just you know we have nothing but love for our friends and nicholas is a friend and i just you know i can't thank him enough for you know what he did for me thinking of me and stuff and i just you know i just wanted to return the favor and um so so thank you nick thank you for for doing that for me so before I get all like emotional and ridiculous, <laughs> let, let's talk about these battle results. Yes. Yeah. So we uh, we did the poll on uh, the Facebook page, and 
it was pretty much neck and neck. And so I decided, you know, we can't have a tie. So I will open it up and I I posted the the question on you know, my my personal Facebook page because there are, there are some folks who, you know, either listen to the show but aren't part of the group or um just don't listen to the show and aren't part of the group. So I figured I'd open it up to some other folks. <clears throat> and you know, I said, you know, who wins? You know, the Belcher kids or the Simpsons kids in a uh, in a prank war, and you know, several people chimed in. Um, you know, including our good friend Reginald Devonshire the third, Frank and, Bob, and uh, the overwhelming majority, including a couple of people that I did not think would uh, would go with this, but uh, a lot of people said that the Belcher kids would win that. Yay! That battle because they would. I disagree uh, completely. Uh, none of the Belcher kids is remotely as smart as Lisa or Maggie, and uh, none of them have the experience pulling pranks that uh, Bart Simpson does. See, I disagree with you. Coming off of our Louise Belcher discussion, I think any team that has Louise Belcher on it in a prank war is going to win. Because because she's uh, we just talked about last week, you know, she's a manipulative little shit. She can get anybody to do anything for her. How is that good in a prank? If you're if you're creating a prank, she Bart exploded his house with a beer can. Mind games, mind games. Maggie Simpson got recruited by for the CIA. Maggie Simpson is a baby. She who is an expert marksman. She doesn't even know like how her thumbs work. Except yet. she can write her like, name on an etch a sketch and play the xylophone and knows what a credenza she is. Doesn't know how to write erotic um, fan Jean Belcher plays the triangle. <laughs> ding, a ding, 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 a ding, 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 a ding, 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 a ding, ding. ding. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the the poll results. The poll results say that Patrick's the just kids, a little hurt because he's a huge fan of The Simpsons and the I, Simpsons. I like lost. both. I mean, it's if it was you know the Belcher kids against you know some other kids, you know, it, you know they're definitely you know in their TV show universe they are you know the top the top dogs. You know, absolutely. Um, I'd take them over pretty much anybody else um, in in their collective you see here's here's the thing though i think it would be more like one and a half versus three the one and a half being the simpsons see so you would have bart who'd be all in it lisa just kind of has this too cool for school attitude no 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 no, no, she does like like she she's doesn't like to like give in to some of that childish when it's family stuff and they need to team up and get you know, on the same page. I mean, how many times did they take down Sideshow Bob and the Republican Party? Many. Yeah, well, uh, they're Belchers from the womb to the, the tomb. tomb. So, <laughs> yeah, but you could say that about anybody. They're Simpsons from the womb to the tomb. Yeah, like, but they don't. They don't say that though. Like Bob's Burgers, to. they say that. You just let me know when you know their exploits come close to reaching the Simpsons exploits. Like somebody, uh, our, our our good friend of the show, Heather, said, uh, you know, the Belchers set a, a mechanical shark loose on the town and it destroyed the town. And it didn't destroy the town. It really destroyed the part Bob's of the road Burgers and basement. Bob's Burgers basement and floor. 
Like that's what it destroyed. And, and the wall and, Teddy's Boidle. <laughs> it didn't destroy it. It destroyed the entrance of Wonder War. Uh, Wonder Wonder War. Yeah. That's because it Wonder fell down War. off of the crane. And that's well, let's just end the show because. But, so uh, next week we will be back, same time, same channel. Uh, <laughs> same, and same kablam time, same kablam station it's a bat time bat channel no 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 do you remember yes kablam? i remember kablam. i love kablam the little, little dude like the little sketch dudes hosted it and then they melt had like the, the power to melt prometheus and bob oh my yeah, god I love they, prometheus. they ripped that off of the 1960s batman show and then like i forget the but the, the superhero ones like they had like thunder girl and, and like melt action, man. action team now or something yes yeah, melt man with the power to so, melt yeah, stinky diver the flag Yes, I remember. I remember the show. My childhood, right there. Yeah, I used to watch that. Um, but yeah, same same time, same channel, and uh, we'll be discussing another character whose uh, gentle demeanor uh, belies his uh, uh, his deadly deadliness. Sexy face. <laughs> uh, we'll we're gonna be talking about another hot guy next yeah, week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, no, we're not going to be talking about Jesus, uh, but we will be we will be talking Close. about uh, Kung Fu Jesus, John Wick. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. Well, that's his character in the Matrix, and we were originally going to talk about Neo, and I had written Kung Fu Jesus as my show notes, but we're going to be talking about John Wick next week uh, in anticipation of the sequel. So, we will uh, see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. That's a bingo! Whoa!